Yo, what's up guys? Thanks for tuning back into Beats, Rhymes, and Life. This is Amanda Wright, and for this week's episode, we're going to be talking about De La Soul. De La Soul was one of my favorite groups, most definitely. I'd say that they're like ranked number two after A Tribe Called Quest, but I know over these past few weeks, I have been talking to you guys about the Native Tongues crew, and De La Soul is probably like the last credible founding father of the Native Tongues crew. The Native Tongues crew consisted of about five groups in total, but I would say the three founders were Tribe Called Quest, Jungle Brothers, and De La Soul. So for this week, you know, De La Soul was formed in 1987 in Long Island, New York. That's where these cats were from. And it consisted of three dudes as well. It was Plug One, Plug Two, Plug Three. That was just one of their many nicknames, but their real names were David Jolicure, Kelvin Mercer, and Vincent Mason. David went by Trugoy the Dove, and Trugoy, kind of like, what the heck is Trugoy? That doesn't make any sense, but Trugoy was yogurt spelled backwards, and that was actually uh, Dove's favorite food. Kelvin Mercer, his high school DJ name was actually Sound Pop, so what he did is he spelled that backwards and made that his nickname. It's like Paz Newest. It's kind of weird, but they used to call him Paz. And Vincent uh, Mason, he was just he just went by Maceo, or aka Maze. De La Soul was a really, really influential group for their time I would say you know they really paved the way for an adventurous a lot of different alternative new rap groups you know they just really emphasized in spreading a message to the people especially during this time because around the 80s and the 90s this is when rap started to evolve and it started to become more so about the money rather it was than about the music so I feel like De La Soul really tried to keep that connection with the music and so for their first demo which was Plug Tunin first self-made demo it um, attracted Prince Paul Houston who was actually from Steta Sonic and he worked very closely with Africa Mbabada so he had a lot of credibility for himself as it was and so when he first heard that plug tune in demo it caught his eye and he really was interested with De La Soul and wanted to to invest in these guys so what happened was Prince Paul produced their debut album Three Feet High and Rising and this first album for them was it was just like you know, dang, it just made it made De La Soul become so recognized. Everybody was just like, wait a second, De La Soul, who, who's this? Who's these group of cats? You know, like it didn't really sell on the charts, but most definitely De La Soul was like somebody to be reckoned with, and everybody everybody recognized that with their first album, Three Feet High and Rising. And what was cool about their first album was that back in the day, you were used to hearing samples from like your old school jazz or your old school James Brown. And what De La Soul brought different to the table was that De La Soul didn't just use your basic James Brown samples, but they actually sampled from TV shows and a lot of different obscure recordings. And with that being said, they actually got sued for a few of those things because people started to realize, hey, I got a patent my shit, but <laughs> that was just a little fun fact for you. You know, Three Feet High, I would say it just got them very well noticed and it got people very much more eager to want to get to know these guys. And with their Three Feet High and Rising album, they had a hit single, Me, Myself, and I, which was at the top of the charts in 1989. And I'm sure all you guys know Me, Myself, and I, you know, mirror, mirror on the wall. Tell me, mirror, what is wrong? Is it just my de la clothes or can it be my de la soul? Classic classic song for them with their first album I would say. That was their first album and with their first album also what they did bring to the table was people started to see that they had De La terms you know. What was cool was that um, I feel like around this time with the hip-hop groups like each group was starting to evolve their own style and their own image I guess you can say and so with that image they started to bring little connection 
places that you could recognize these people from. So with Della Soul, what they brought to the table was terms like the Daisy Age. And that's probably one of the things you'll recognize on their Three Feet High and Rising album. But what the Daisy Age stand for was the inner soul, y'all. And so with that, people just really started to look at De La Soul as like hippies or just ingenious revolutionaries. You know, they knew that De La Soul was somebody to just keep a lookout for because they were doing big things. So with that first album being such a success, they then formed Native Tongues with the Tropical Quest and J-Bros, along with the artists Queen Latifah, Moni Love, and Black Sheep. So that was when Native Tongues really spurred out and just the movement started going. I'd say that they just really got that ball rolling. And so it wasn't and then until 1991 their second album, um, De La Soul is Dead, it came out. And this album, um, it took more of a darker approach with the songs, you know, like, it was more of a realistic and raw type of feeling. And what was funny and neat about this album was that, but on the album artwork for this second album in 1991, it had the Broken Daisy Pot, which emphasized the death of the Daisy Age from their first album. So I loved how they just always had to make that connection with their albums. Like I said, they just kept you wanting more, kept the listeners just wanting to come back, but with the De La Soul is Dead album, they would really talked about songs about like drug abuse with My Bros, A Bass Head, that one song, and also about incest with that one song, Millie Pulled a Pistol on Santa, and you know, it led a lot of people, it gave a lot of people mixed feelings, honestly, like people didn't really know how to feel about it, people didn't, I feel people were a little bit scared of the truth, so to say, you know, they really were just trying to direct the attention on just how hip hop was just going in this violent, careless direction. They, like, most of their albums stayed pretty, pretty average. None of them really skyrocketed in sales other than their first album when they debuted. And other than that, they just had a lot of singles that hit charts. So that was their recognition. But with their third album, they came back really strong in late 1993 with Balloon Mind State. I would say that that album's most recognized for their single, Break a Dawn. One of my favorite songs. Very classic, very nice. But um, with that, after their Balloon Mind State, 1996, they came out with their Stakes is High album. My favorite album. Best one, I would say. It had so many classics on there. The cool thing about the Stakes is High album, this was their first album that they had produced as a trio. So they got full credibility for producing this album. This album was like under their belt, like their baby. And unfortunately with that 1996 album, it really did fail to keep people eager and to really catch their attention, unfortunately, at the time. So they went on to produce more albums. And in 2000, they came out with their Art Official Intelligence Mosaic Thump. And that was a the first part of a three reported disc series. So A-O-I, Artificial Intelligence. And with this first one, they came out with a bunch of guest artists like Beastie Boys, Busta Rhymes, Shaka Khan, and even Redman, you know? Like like I said, De La Soul just always kept it fresh, always kept you wanting more, wanting more. And you know, like, at the same time that they were very good revolutionaries, they were very good lyricists, MCs, they were businessmen at the same time, you know, they really knew what they were doing within the business, and they knew that you had to keep moving, you, you couldn't stop. So that, that was the first of the three reported disc series. And with the second one in 2001, it was the second installment of, and it was called Bionics. And I love Bionics too. That one is really good. Like it has that one song, Baby Fat. <laughs> that song is classic. I know everybody knows that song too, because how it's like, you make big panties look like little panties. <laughs> That's a classic. That's a classic line for Mr. Dove. And unfortunately, the third part of that three reported disc series it never uh, spawned, so they and they never went through with it. But 
They did still end up recording more music. Yes, in 2004, they actually broke up with their first label, Tommy Boy slash Warner Brothers. It ended, their relationship ended pretty bad. I guess business got into the way. You know how money gets to people's heads, so that's just how that went. And De La Soul then signed with this indie label, Sanctuary Records. With that label, they did produce their 2004 album, The Grind Date, but other than that, you know, they just had a lot more future endeavors with the group, still making music and collaborating with other artists like the Gorillas on Feel Good Inc. And one of their last known tours was Rock the Bells in 2008, and they went on tour with Tribe Called Quest, with Nas, Lauren Hill, bunch of OG, OG artists. And thankfully, I was there for that one. Woo! It was so awesome. But that is just one of their last known tours as a group. In 2012, they pr they produced one more album. It was Plug One and Plug Two, which didn't have Mr. Plug Three, Mr. Maceo, unfortunately. But it didn't say they did not proclaim that the group was broken up. The group is still intact. It's um, unknown reason why Maceo wasn't able to be in that last album that they did produce. But the group is still intact, and that's all that matters. <laughs> but the really, you know, I just I do have such an appreciation for De La Soul because they had such quirky lyrics and just interesting samples. I feel like they really showed other artists that you don't have to do the normal. You don't have to be in the norm. You can be different and also not to be afraid to speak up for what you believe in. With De La Soul, I would say that just hip hop in general, it really has taught me that how powerful lyricism is. I do really do appreciate artists who speak up for what they believe in and speak up for a change or for a movement, you know, like that's why I feel that hip hop is such an influential thing in this world. And it's like, if you can influence so many people with music, why not do it with good? So De La Soul just always strive for peace and harmony and they really wanted to reconnect with the community this message that was slowly fading from the rap scene in the late 1980s. It was just a, a lot of, you know, the economy was changing, times were changing. These artists were trying to keep up with it. You know, there was a really big artistic decline in rap music that was faced in the 90s and that's why I really do appreciate the Stakes is High album. It wasn't their most profiting albums of them all, but it was really recognized for their lyricism and the overall message that it had. So I would say that Stakes is a High album is one to check out. De La Soul was somebody to be reckoned with. They didn't really care that they had that type of label on them. They knew that in the long run they were doing the right, no matter how others. And De La Soul still does make music till this day. I just recently heard, um, it's 2015, so I just recently heard that they came out with a single with Nas and it's called Got It. G-O-D-I-T. Got It. It's dope. You should check that new single out, but point blank and simple, De La Soul is still alive and well and doing what they love and trying to make a difference in the community still. So De La Soul, still probably one of my top hip-hop artists of all time. <laughs> And um, if I could, you know, I would totally go and sit down with these brothers in Long Island, man, just to see, just to have a conversation with them and really talk to them about back in the day and just how they reacted with those times and the changes and how they're reacting with them now. But De La Soul is a dope group. I do recommend you guys check them out. Stakes is High album. You know, if you want to start anywhere, I would say start at the Stakes is High album because very underrated on their behalf, but very well written. And I do appreciate you guys tuning into my podcast. There's a reason why I speak on the behalf of these hip-hop artists because not only did they pave the way for a lot of new hip-hop artists but they also weren't as afraid to speak up but de la soul uh check them out dude de la de la <laughs> but i appreciate you guys and i hope that you can tune in next week because we're gonna be 
covering a little bit more on the East Coast, but now we're spawning off to a, a new group. I think we should talk about Jay Dilla. Jay Dilla? Who's Jay Dilla? Nobody knows who Jay Dilla is, but little did you know, he is like, whoo, greatest producers of all time, I would say. So, we're going to talk about Jay Dilla next week. Peace and love, guys. This is your girl Amanda Wright. Beats, rhymes, and life. Don't miss out next week.